Hey, book friends, this is Corey. Thanks for listening along as Kiri and I have a book club for two over a cup of tea. In each episode, we will share highlights from our recent reading adventures. We want to share the hits and misses along with why they worked or didn't work for us. We know life is busy and everyone's TBR list is too long, especially with an ever-growing list of books to choose from. We're hoping to simplify one little thing in your busy life by doing the heavy lifting and giving you suggestions for your next book adventure. If you like our podcasts, don't forget to give us some love and support. Things you could do include recommending us to your reading friends. You could subscribe to the show or rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It only takes a couple of minutes, but it will help us grow our audience and make it easier for listeners like you to find us. All right, let's get started. Welcome to season four, episode three. Got it right the second time. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't record for a while. You're a hot mess. Oh, man. Yep. Howdy. Howdy. Carrie's getting ready to go gavalanting. Gavalanting? Gallivanting. Gallivanting across Australia and New Zealand. Whatever. I'll be stuck here slaving away, hating my life. I We bought the tickets, you know, back in February, and it feels like we just bought the tickets because <laughs> this year has gone by so fast. Mm-hmm. But also, it's been forever since we bought the tickets because, right. you know, It's life. been life. Yeah. Yeah. So, we are jumping right into our next episode. It feels really weird because we know we're not going to be sharing these until after... It's true. I'll until 2020. Yeah. yeah. And, um... Yeah, it's been weird because we could brag about that we just got some publicity in Flag Live, which was cool. Or Flagstaff Famous. But by the time this airs, it'll be like, what? <laughs> oh, Maybe yeah. Maybe Gabe will do another one. Maybe so. So I provided tea and drinks, t- tea, drinks, <laughs> and snacks today. <laughs> I am a mess. Um, and Kiri hated it all. Well, no, that's not oh. true. She did like the cookie. Oh. <laughs> So I went to the last farmer's market of the morning. Again, we're talking, you know, mid mid to late October here. And uh, there was this lovely young woman selling these Japanese treats that I thought were delish. I was like these mochis and these like seaweed, almond, caramel treats. And then um, a Peruvian cookie that I can't say properly. I should have like looked up the pronunciation. But it's like a little sandwich cookie with dulce de leche in it. Mm, That was good. Yeah, it was chai flavored. So that was only, and then, and because we were doing Japanese treats, I did green tea. So literally, Kiri took a bite of each of the treats and goes, I don't like this. And then handed them off to me or Robert. And then she took a sip of the tea and she goes, I don't like this. <laughs> and she gives it back to me. <laughs> you know, I'm a girl that knows what she likes and what she doesn't like. That's cool. You'll never know. Yeah. If I, or you will always know mm-hmm. if I like something or don't like something. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I feel like doing this, I just, it definitely has refined my tastes. And I mean, I think I'd like to be one of those people that will drink any type of tea anytime. But I, what I've learned is there's a good solid four to five tea flavor arenas that I'm excited about. And the rest I'm like, meh. Yeah. So at least I know that. It's true. You know this about yourself and I know my strong opinions about myself. Yeah. So... I like the tea. I mean, green tea is not always my absolute favorite, but I enjoy a nice cup of green tea. This one is nice and refreshing and light. It's not too fishy or grassy tasting to it me. It is for me. So, yeah. Curious. I'm drinking pumpkin spice chai. So, there you go. I, yeah, I was a good hostess. I gave her a choice she of gave me an option. She didn't tea. force me to drink the green tea. I should have. That's what I should have done. Mm-hmm. You'll drink it and you'll like it. Nope. I'm an adult. 
<laughs> I do what I want. I do what I want. Yeah. Speaking of being an adult and doing what I want, I took back two books to the library that I did that, that I DNF'd. Look at you. Including our upcoming book club book. Not bar three book club, but book club book club. Ooh, I know. Let's unpack that. What were the two books? So one was a Louise Erdrich book, which I really wanted to enjoy because she's, you know, a female Native American writer. She's really well known. And, you know, it reminded me a lot of that book that you had us read a million years ago. ago. The Osage Murders. No, I liked that one. The fictional one the uh, that was like set in Canada and it pitted the two people against each other. Anyways, we could go back and look in our show notes and see what it was. But it was basically about a priest and like it was basically about the the colonization of America and Minnesota and taking away land from the Native Americans and had a priest who was actually a woman. That was the most interesting part. I didn't hate it, but I kept finding myself wanting to go and pick up other books than that book. And I just was like, you know, life's too short. Life is too short to read books you don't like. It's true. And then I really wanted to like this space opera that has psychic cats in it. Oh, Jesus. It sounds like a disaster. No, it, it, it has some comparisons to Firefly, but with a more diverse kind of cast uh, like some of the some of the characters used them they their pronouns and whatnot, so I thought that was kind of cool. Hmm. Um, it was okay. Again, I was kind of plodding through it, and then I was just like, you know what? I can think of three other books I'd rather pick up right yeah. now, and three other books that I have picked up and almost finished since I started this book. So right. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Totally. So as you just saw, as you went through my piles of books, yeah. Maybe someday I'll take a picture and post it on Instagram. You I think you should t- take like a video. A video of the hot mess that is my like the squirrel den. Just side and then go down and up I could. and down. I'm afraid people will judge. Or you just need Robert to build you like... It's on the list. Full-blown bookcases all the way around this room. We have such a long list of home improvement projects. Yeah. And little time and zero money. Yeah. So there's that. I feel you. Anywho, but yes, we want to build like almost like a Murphy bed mm. built into this wall with mm-hmm. shelving. Yeah, it's in the plans. Sweet. TBD. TBD. Someday. Someday this room will be done. Mm. 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 Should we talk about books, man? Yeah. Okay. You want to go first? Sure. Which one should I start with? I don't know. They're your books. I want to start... With Where the Crawdads Sing. <laughs> please, please, please do. By Delia Owens. Delia. Delia Owens. Uh-huh. I listened to the audiobook. Ooh. And the narrator did a superb job. Southern, Southern. accent? Okay, yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. That's what I liked about um, uh, Before We Were Yours. Yeah. They had a Southern accent, okay. too, and I really liked that. Yeah. That was actually why I, I picked it up as an audiobook. Yeah. So it follows the story of Kaya, who is like, ugh, I love her so much. She, mm. her, they're like, not swamp people, but they like live <laughs> in a very bad shack in the middle of nowhere. 
where is the state? Is it North Carolina? I think so. It Don't. doesn't really go into too much detail about like the actual living area of the place. But, I'm pretty sure it's North Carolina. Um, so she's this young woman. Her dad is a drunk. Her mom's like disappeared. Her, all of her siblings have disappeared. She goes to school for one day and they made fun of her. So she never goes to school again. Okay. And she basically hides out in her house. Mm-hmm. And there's this boy who, like, comes and checks on her, Aww. and he's, like, older than her, and... But not creepy older than not her. Not creepy older. That's actually what I thought at first. Like, when he <laughs> first came into the story, it didn't come... It wasn't described that it was a younger, gentle... Like, a younger kid, like a 16-year-old kid. It okay. kind of sounded like a creepy-ass uh, old man. <laughs> um, and so... They start a friendship, and he teaches her how to read. Oh, okay. Chase? No, that's the dead guy. Oh, somebody dies. Okay. Um, <laughs> where is his name? It doesn't even say it in the description. Oh, well, then we'll um, Anyway. We'll just Ka- call him Deuterino. Yeah, the dude that loves Kaya, and the Kaya that loves the dude. And so he teaches her, like, biology. Okay. And she starts to, like, understand the swamps Mm. and, like, the swamp grass and Mm -hmm. the swamp bugs. And she does these beautiful watercolor pictures of all of these Mm. things. And so he goes off to college and she, like, hates him. Hates him, hates him, hates him. Like, you left me. Like, everybody. Yeah, abandoned her. And then she meets Chase. And they have, like, this really weird and fucked up relationship where he basically is just trying to bag the swamp girl. Um, And you can tell from like the instant he's introduced that he's like a douchebag. You need that character. Yeah. And so then the real love of her life. Deuterino. Yeah. He goes and gets a PhD and they open up a lab for him near the swamp. (laughs) So he can study the swamp too. (laughs) he starts to like come back to Kaya and Kaya gets very upset mm. and uh after a little huff and puffle blah 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 they all like get all schmoozy and they get married and blah 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 and she starts publishing her books so okay. like there's a publisher involved and he's like you are making beautiful watercolor pictures mm. of the swamp mm-hmm. and you're you understand like what the swamp is doing and like the characteristics of the swamp and the bugs and the birds and she gets like fucking rich and so the swamp girl that was like nobody in town likes is mm-hmm. able to like remodel her shitty shack <laughs> so like the shitty shack is still shitty on the outside but it's really nice on the inside because she has like now a new oven and so it's floors. kind of a rags to riches story yeah and at least in part yeah okay and then there's a murder mm-hmm. and then there's like this trial thing and kaya like doesn't like people she hides from them all the time and so now she has to be like in a courthouse going to trial for the murder of this kid. And, oh, my God, when it finished, when the book ended, I, like, cried. I was like, oh, my God, my God, my Beautiful. Okay. It's beautiful. I mean, it's been on my list forever. See, here's what happens is, again, an embarrassment of riches, more books than I could probably read in three lifetimes, and they just keep on coming. Where the Crowded Sings has been sitting at the top of the bestseller list for, like, over a year. So, I don't really... It is so good. I know, I know, I know. Well, you will love it. Okay, I, I will make it a goal to read it before the end of 2019. How about that? Ooh, I like this. Okay. Okay. I can't let you borrow my audiobook. I'm sorry. That's all right. You can just create a new Audible name, mm. and then I'll send it to you that way. I need to tell you about Libro FM. Anyways. Or I can just give you my Audible login. Oh. Oh. Da. 
Duh. Duh. Okay. Okay. Dunsies. And I'll sh- Don't tell my ITS husband. Okay. I won't. Does he listen? I don't think so. <laughs> he was like, what season are you guys on? I was like, you're a good husband. Oh, I don't know if Robert's ever listened. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. I think maybe they've listened to one or two at the show. Yeah, I think uh, Chris has listened to like the first two. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought it was sweet that Gabe actually listened to some before he interviewed I us. Know. I was like, oh. Heart good, emoji Gabe. Good, good research Gabe on actually listening to the people before you. <laughs> good journalist. Yes, good journalistic research there. Anyways. So Where the Crawdad Sings got five stars and is probably my favorite book of 2019. Wow. It's a heavy. Well, I was going to say, that. I'm intrigued because I'm listening to you talk about it and then having just gone through like a pile of books within, you're like, no, heavy, no, family drama, no, no, no. But then you're like describing this and I'm like, so what made this one different for you? I think it's because Kaya reminds me so much of myself. Oh. Of like, I was always made fun of. Mm-hmm. I didn't like to read. I wasn't mm-hmm. really good at school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's like, this like bond and then she became a badass bitch and then like i haven't gotten there yet but like i hope to yeah and maybe the sciencey bits and yeah the science a... was fun like her learning science mm-hmm. like as an english mm-hmm. major and then me ending up working at the laura USGS. has read this i bet she would like it oh she would totally like it i'll have to recommend it to her anyways cool well i'm i'm glad that you liked it i mean you know i mean i knew there's a reason it's been at the top of the best well something that's not true I mean, there's books that are on the bestseller list forever. I mean, Girl, Wash Your Face was on the bestseller list for uh, way too long. And I just want to be like, girl, stop writing books. Anyways, I know. Girl, stop washing your face. (sighs) Sorry. Anyways, I think I've ranted about her before, so I won't even go there. Well, you know, it's funny because I feel like we're going to have kind of a similar theme with our books today. And I was like looking at, so I I went through what I've read recently trying to decide what I wanted to talk about. And, um, And this is ironic because we just, again, had this conversation before we started recording. I would say they all fall under the family drama saga category. Which you said in our interview just recently that you don't like. I know, but these, for whatever reason, work for me. Which is something that we can unpack, because I do have questions. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to start with my first, but you're going to... I just can't wait for your reaction. Don't look! <laughs> so, is it lock every door? No, I decided not to talk about oh, that okay. one. But That's I did really like that. That's the one that I've seen. Okay. So it's called The Logger Queen of Minnesota. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and guess who it's by? I don't know. It's by an author, which we read before. Did I like this author? Uh, not really. Then I'm not going to remember. Okay. It's by J. Ryan Straddle, who wrote The Kitchens of the Great Midwest. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, okay. I didn't read that book. Yeah, you did. No. Yes, you did. No. We did. For we, but It was one of our... For the food one. But did I read it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was with the um, girl that's like all high drama and like off to New York trying to be a baker and then comes back. No, that was your book choice. That was oh. like the recipe box. Oh. This one was started out with like... The oh, gr- the dead guy. Yeah, that he, he died. And then his daughter like became a chef. Yeah, and, and she was like making spicy things in yeah. her closet. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it took me a hot second. I know. But now you're back with me. Back. So, so as you might... The, the title is quite descriptive of this. Set in Minnesota. Shocker. Minnesota. It, Minnesota. And it's about beer, which is probably part of why I liked it. But... So I would say it definitely falls in, like, the family song. Oh, like, lager. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a lager beer. Oh, I was thinking, like, uh. Oh, no, 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 (laughs) no. Like a lumberjack. Like the L-O. Like lager. Not the L-A lager. Oh, snap. Why are you 
reading that? No, okay. that sounds terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is my facial expression of like, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, Sorry. No, that was great. So, uh, let's see. What did I want to say about it? So, yeah, I mean, at heart, it's a family drama. And you have these two sisters who, um, one from, one of them have Helen. She sneaks some beer out one time when she's like 16 with her buddies. And she basically falls in love with beer and decides like that's what she wants to do with her life is to make beer. So she goes to, I think it's Malakas. Malacaster or one one of those little Minnesota um, schools. It right. Why? To say it right. I don't know how to say Minnesota. Minnesota. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that. I thought you meant the college. Oh no no. I'm like I clearly can't say it, Carrie. Um, anyways, so she meets and falls in love with a guy who's inheriting his family's brewery, but it's it's like falling apart, like. And this is in the seventies. So, and so then she has no money to start reviving this brewery and, um, and her dad, their dad is, is starting to age and fail. So she and her husband move back to the farm to take care of him. And she convinces her dad to give her the entire inheritance and cuts out her sister, Edith. Yikes. And so they don't speak for several decades because of course Edith is a little hacked off and it wasn't even about the money necessarily for Edith. I mean, it was just like hurt feelings and, you right. know, and that there was no discussion or conversation. And Helen was like, I'm going to pay her back eventually. And it like turned into one of those things where it became a stalemate and they just kind of stopped talking to each other and lost the momentum to ever talk to each other again. And so the story bounces between these three different women. And that's part of why I liked it. Cause it's these strong women characters who are, you know, chasing dreams and trying to live their lives and coming oh trying to overcome adversity. And so you have Helen and so you have her storyline with her husband and like again in the 70s beer was kind of, you know, it was like Bud Light, mm-hmm. right? And Coors. And so her goal is to create Blot's special light. Like so almost like water beer um which today must feel like oh. And so part of her story arc is going from being like one of the top Midwestern breweries to as beer evolved and changed starting in the late nineties, going into now into like, you know, microbreweries and interesting stuff, you know, her beer audience started aging out and, you know, and so it's kind of the rise and fall of her brewery. Meanwhile, Edith, you know, gets married, has kids. um, And then her daughter and son-in-law, I think they die in like a car accident. And so she ends up, um, taking care of her granddaughter, Diana, who, of course, as you can imagine from losing her parents young, is kind of a little hoodlum and is doing all sorts of things. And they don't have a lot of money at this point. Ada's husband has died. So she's like stealing stuff out of people's garages and she gets caught. And so this guy, as kind of penance, makes her come and work at his brewery. And and um, and eventually he starts mentoring her. And so it becomes her goal to make like the perfect IPA by the time she's 19 in order to have a story to get into college. Mm. And, um, and so then it's kind of following her, her arc of pursuing her dreams of making beer and being a brewery. And meanwhile, you have Edith who kind of her, you know, kind of her life ebbs and flows. And towards the end, um, as Diana's getting ready to open up her own brewery, she, she has a, she has a baby and she has an injury and so she she's kind of down for the count. And so Edith calls upon all her friends and it becomes the grandmas learning how to run a brewery and oh, brew beer. That's cool. And it's just so good. 
I just it's like heartfelt family. Drama. Oh my god, I it's just loved like, it so much. It was so a good. Little backstabbing, but it's not like crazy fucked up. Right. I know. It was yeah, it was heartwarming. And yeah. and it kind of kept weaving back and forth in time as you that kind of pulled all the pieces together and you know, and I think what's interesting and someone else who really liked this book and I was listening to her talk about it, she was saying um, you know, the, the author is a man, but he does such a good job with writing from the perspective of a woman and getting the woman's voice right. Like sometimes, you know, you get a, yeah. a male author and, and you're just like, women don't think and talk that yeah, way. You're definitely a bro writing this. But he, for whatever reason, can kind of get inside the mind of the woman. Hmm. Um, and, and he did. I was reading an interview and he was saying that this was kind of a, you know, an homage to his grandmother and his mother and mm. his life, like the women in his important women in his life. Um, but it was so good. Mm. I was, it'll probably be one of my favorites of the year. Nice. So it was, it was super fun. So I was really glad that I'd finally, and again, so that's an example of putting aside the Louise Erdrich book. I kept wanting to pick this up. This is what I wanted to be right. reading. Like this was what was speaking to me. And I was yeah. just like, okay, I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, totally. So, all right. What is your next one? The Gown the by gown. Jennifer Robson. And it highlights, it's a fiction book about the making of the current Queen Elizabeth's wedding gown. Oh, okay. And uh, so it pounces back from London 1947 to Toronto 2016. Hmm. And so... Um, What's the connection between those? One of the... So one of the um, women who made, helped embroider the gowns, mm-hmm. they lived in... London. Okay. And uh, she lived with her sister-in-law and her brother had died in the war. And Uh so her sister-in-law and her were like in this family housing illegally, basically. Okay. And the woman, the sister-in-law decided to leave the UK and come to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what is her name? Miriam and Anne are the two main embroiderists embroiderists i think so that sounds right right. yeah for queen elizabeth's gown that had Hmm. like 51 hand embroidered flowers on them kind of like the picture on the yeah like they did the train jesus so they did all that by hand and so it talks about like you know in 1947 princess elizabeth even had to use like the not the tokens the um um (laughs) You get a certain allotment during war times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know what you you're talking, what about. talking about. Yeah. So, like, you like there's limited supplies, and so, yeah. You have to have, like, a, mm-hmm. not a token, but, like, a... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, she did that to get her dress made oh. without using the funds because they were in the middle of the war, and she was like, Interesting. that's not fair. Okay. And so, then it jumps back to 2016 because Heather is the, is the granddaughter mm-hmm. of Anne, who had moved to Canada af- shortly after the Queen's wedding Okay. Um, to restart her life. And um, there was no husband involved, so there was uh, some rape that happened Ooh. in this book. Okay. And so so trigger the, alert. Yeah, okay. trigger alert. Once the, once the dress was done, Anne moved to Toronto to restart her life. Okay. And so then Heather, like, when her grandma dies, Anne like finds a box that has her name on it mm-hmm. and it's like the embroidered flowers from Oh then that didn't get used dress. Yeah. Oh. So then it takes her on this wild fucking goose chase and she like goes to London <laughs> tries to figure out who the woman is in the photo of her grandma, which we find out is Miriam, which is this woman from 
France who flood, who, f- not flood. Fl- fled? Fled, thank you, from uh-huh. the Nazis because she was Jewish. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so, like, there's just, like, this, yeah. So lots it's of things. It's like an, I... advent- an adventure story of, like, trying to piece together family history. Okay. All right. Because so... Anne never talked about it. Gotcha. Yeah. And you had a little World War Two, and little world, and you're obsessed you with the world English War Royals. And I loved the, yeah, it was a perfect book. It's so fascinating. You know, I had a customer mention. It seems like a lot of books these days bounce back and forth between present time and the past. Like that's a really popular kind mm-hmm. of formula or I think format. There's like three books in this new pile that you gave me do that. Do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, do you think that's like I said, I, I guess I and I do read a lot of books like that, and I like that. But do you think we're just noticing it more because there's more books out? Or I mean, I feel like that's been around always. But it, or do I you think th- there are more books coming out that are doing it? Okay, because maybe I think it's that a- there's a lot of similarities happening from the 1940s to sure. 2019 in okay. regards to political power. Okay, well that could be. Well, and I wonder too Did if you like how so. I liked that. I did. I Yeah, I wasn't even going to, like, I was just going to go with it. Well, and I wonder, too, if it's, like, a way of, like, trying to bridge the gap between people who are, like, I love her- only historical fiction and people who are, like, I only love modern stuff. So you have, oh. like, a mashup of both. So it's, like, I'm giving you some historical fiction and I'm giving you modern times. Right. All in one book. Totally. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think I will probably always enjoy historical fiction. I find it so fascinating. Yeah. Especially if it's about, like... The British royals. People, yeah. Well, that's why I kept trying to pull stuff out of there going, here, try this. Here, try this. <gasps> yeah. I'm a sucker. You are. Well, so my next book, <laughs> again, well, so, so really a lot of themes kind of sweep, again, like I said, kind of sweeping family sagas with lots of drama. Um, so the next one is The Dearly Beloved by Carol Wall, and it just came out recently. And I what feel I feel like you should have done the prince song dearly beloved we're gathered here for this thing we call life yeah there you go is it about prince no (laughs) it's about two ministers and their wives i know i should have liked nothing about this book i probably picked it up and put it down off the arc shelf at work at least 10 times like i'd pick it up and be like oh what's this book and i'd be like oh no it's about ministers Mm mm-mm uh-uh. And then I had two different podcasters that I really respect rave about it. And I was like, and then actually, no, three different podcasters that I really respect were like, this was so good. And I was like, oh, God, this better not be ask again. Yes, again, which I'll come back to. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. I'm intrigued. I'm just going to try it. And I loved it. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's about faith. It's about religion. It's about family dramas. No. Um, So again, it starts in the night. Well, no, it's not true. It doesn't start in the 1960s. But so you have these four characters. And let's see here. I wrote their names down so I would get them right. You have Charles and Lily and James and Nan. They're the two couples. Oh, Nan. I know. Sorry. I didn't even think about that. Um, I saw her tree today. Oh. There are people climbing over and I want to be like, get off her tree, motherfuckers. (laughs) Oh my. We're going to have a lot of explicits. Of yeah. I'm feeling oh. feisty. You are feeling feisty. I know. I'm sorry. So, no, it's okay. So, you know, obviously the two men are the raised in like, I guess would be the 50s. Yeah, that 50, 40s and 50s. Um, and neither of them gr- or grow up with the intention of becoming a minister. 
But as they explore and become into their own in college, they discover a love for religion and faith and um, wanting to work with people and, and work, you know, essentially, I guess we'll just say call to the ministry. Um, very different walks of life. One man grew up in a poor part of Chicago, comes from a family. His father was kind of broken from being in the war and was a drunk. The other came from a really fancy family of, um, you know, really highly educated East Coasters. Um, and during college, they both meet their wives, future wives, Lily and Nan. Um, you know, Lily, Lily came from a fairly affluent background, but her parents were killed in a car accident when she was like 13 or 14. And it kind of irrevocably changed her. Doesn't believe in God, really standoffish, doesn't really want to be around people. But James chases her forever until she finally says, I guess I kind of like you. I guess I'll marry you. And then Nan grew up in a, um, her father was a, a minister in deep South Mississippi, came mm-hmm. only child, very precious. Um, so you have these four people, very different walks of life. Their life, you know, you know, it kind of starts when they're in their early teens and kind of follows each of them one by one until their lives intersect with their loved one, then follows them after they come together as couples, um, till they both get assigned to this church and get Greenwich Village in the early 1960s. Mm. It's their first big assignment. The church is kind of floundering, trying to figure out, you know, it's, you think about what the 60s were, all this protest, what people wanted and needed from religion was changing. And so they're charged. They were so different. They're like, we see you both bring these qualities that we're looking for. So we want you both to, you know, tend to our congregation. Yikes. And so they become best friends and oh. really love each other. The wives have all this... In- complicated interactions and it follows them again for like the next 20 ish years. And, you know, again, it was like really simple and quiet and it wasn't like slam you in the face with religion. It was really more about what does faith mean? Mm -hmm. And when do we, what, you know, what does faith mean to each of us? Do we have faith? What happens when our faith is challenged, when we feel like we lose it, when it's different from the people that is important to us. And then of course it's about relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. couple relationships, friendships, work, professional lives, right. all like it's, I guess, I don't know. It, it just, it shouldn't have worked for me at all. And it was yet again, it was just so beautifully written. The writing was, was just spot on. The characters were likable and realistic. I don't know. It just, for a debut novel, I was wowed. Like I was like, okay, you're right. This one, this one was really, really special. Hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I really spoke to me a lot and, and I can't even explain it because again, it shouldn't have been anything that I liked, Right. but I definitely can recommend it strongly. Nice. <laughs> so two family sagas in a row that were just like, yes, this mm-hmm. is what I needed right now. Totally. So unlike ask again, yes, which got no offense. I'm sorry, Mary Beth Keene, who's the author. It wasn't even poorly written. I just... It was more kind of that standard sweeping family saga drama where I just, I just didn't care about the characters. Yeah. It was one of those ones, like, it took me probably four weeks to read it, and I did finish it, and at the end I was like, well, that was okay, but why did I just spend all that time reading it? Right. And it was on Instagram everywhere. Like, everyone was like, oh my god, this book's so great, oh my god. And, like, again, it was one of those ones I kept seeing on the shelf at work, and I'd be like, no. And then so many people kept raving about it. I was Hmm. just like, I should give this a chance. And then because so many people raved about it, I was like, I should keep reading this. And it was really long, though, too. Like, these other... Well, The Lager Queen was kind of longish, but Dearly Beloved's pretty short. I might even... I don't know where I have it. I don't know where I put it. Anyways. um, Anyways, I just... 
it, I really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if you're just looking for a good story about life and f- figuring it, I guess it has those timeless themes without seeming kind of over-dramatized. Like, there was never really... I mean, I guess outside of Lily's parents dying, there was never like these, you know, a lot of times there's like this big traumatic, dramatic event that happens right. that irrevocably changes everyone. And even though that happened with one of the characters, it was more like the small little things that, you know, the ebb and flow of life. And it just was relatable. Hmm. Interesting. So that's my number two. Nice. All right. What's next? I don't know. Should we do another one? Yeah, I think if we talk fast, we can each do one more. So why don't we do one that we've both read? Okay, I do have one last one after that I want to talk about, but go. Oh. It's okay, go, go, go. Well, I was going to do... Uh, Before We Were Yours? Yeah. Do it. It's but good. I don't want to. I'll no. save it till next time. No, no, no. <laughs> well, so I don't remember who wrote it here. Barbara Lisa, Young? No, Lisa Wingate. <laughs> well, that was completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which I want to point out that you are again picking something that's been on the bestseller list for a million years. Okay, oh. maybe not a million years. A million days. Not even that many. But it was good. I know. We have uh, Corey with our local Bar 3 studio has decided to do a Bar 3 book club. And that was the first book we read. And it's uh, another Southern Another Southern historical book. Yeah, another Southern historical book. Yeah. About, uh, what are they called? They're not called Swamp People. River Shanty People. River Shanty People. Or River Rats, as they would kind of, is the drag cherry name for them. And there's this horrible woman who goes and steals children while their parents are sleeping to try and adopt them. Or when they're, like, in crisis. Yeah, or if they're in the hospital because they've given birth or they're sick or whatever. And she lies and says, like, she's going to take care of them. But, in fact, she's getting them to sign over adoption paperwork so that she can sell them for, like, $5,000. To really rich, influential people. Yeah. And so she has, like, the sheriff under her belt and the judge under her belt and, and all the these governor. people under her belt. Mm-hmm. So she can get away with murdering a whole bunch of children she doesn't like. Because they're unruly. Because she doesn't like them and they're being children and they've been ripped away from their family. So it follows the family of five children. Mm-hmm. One of them dies. Well, don't tell everything. That's not everything. Well, you don't need to even tell that much. Spoiler alert, <laughs> one of them dies. Right. Don't read the book now, jeez. <laughs> but then the other four are kind of like in this obstacle. Like, we don't know where mm-hmm. some of them went. We know where some of them did go. Yeah. There's a lot of like trying to run back to the river to try and find their parents. And then finding their parents and like not being happy and being like, what the fuck? No. Um, it was emotionally intense, but I finished it in like two days. Yeah. And well, and it's another one of those books that goes back and forth between the past yeah. and the present. Oh yeah. And, right. yeah, yeah. and that you have two, you have two narrators. So you have in the present, a, a young woman, I think she's in her twenties or thirties, who's part of a prominent South Carolina political family. Yeah. And as her grandmother is aging, um, with she dementia. Start, with dementia, she starts, uh, some of their past family history starts unfolding. Yeah. And then it flashes back to Real, who was the oldest of this other family, who is trying to keep her family together as all of this happens. Um, and he's trying to get back to her parents and to the river. And and so you have these two alternate timelines unfolding. And you know at some point they're going to intersect in some way, but you don't really know until it happens. Yeah. So, you know, there's, you know, that's not really giving anything away, but it's, there's like this element of mystery of how is real connected to oh I can't remember her name the modern day woman Michelle no shoot I can't remember doesn't matter um 
But Obviously, yeah. it was so good we don't remember their names. <laughs> I remember Rill's name. In um, May. In May. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's really sad. And what's really, you know, in, in like, much historical fiction, this is based in fact. And one of the best things that I, I always recommend to people is to, after you read the book, to go and read about the woman on, upon whom this is based, who, until they discovered the extent of her crimes was seen as the savior of of children I and in fact children, yeah. and in fact Eleanor Roosevelt consulted with her on what our uh, to create what our modern day kind of I- adoption standards are yeah um but and then you realize she murdered how like 50 oh like hundreds um 500 like kids disappeared you yeah. know ones that were unadoptable or were were, or were not controllable right they would just disappear and so they don't really even know how many um so it's yeah i mean and and, and, you know and it's interesting because it also really maybe she's trying to do a little too much with this but i thought it was interesting you know in the modern day there's this whole kind of commentary on elder care which of course is a a big a hot topic right now and i you know when we talked about it in bar three i think pretty much everyone agreed that the historical fiction side of it like the reals family yeah. and story was a lot more compelling than the modern day but you know it was still an interesting kind of exploration of family past and should seek family secrets stay hidden or you know should you share those with future generations and it kind of just left you kind of thinking about you know you don't you don't always know your family's past right. and we all have things that probably family members have kind of hidden or underplayed and it makes you wonder like what what don't we know about our family history yeah totally so it was a good one mm-hmm. so yes I, I I co-signed that that was a good one that was a good one so you got the southern theme going and and, yeah, see, and family and family I know that's why I was chuckling I was like you're gonna be really surprised because <laughs> there's this whole like family theme going on with both of us which I would say is neither of our go-tos really yeah yeah um, so the last ones that I picked, slightly different, but I would argue still has a little bit of a family theme. Um, it's more of like the family you choose, I guess. So it is, um, Is There Still Sex in the City by Candace Bushnell. Stop rolling your eyes at me, girlfriend. It was so, 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 so good. I listened to it as an audiobook which I recommend. And did you watch Sex and the City? Yeah. Okay. So the author really, without being like overly like, um, was really able to kind of, you remember how like when Carrie would have like her, the little voiceovers when she, yeah, yeah. when she's typing, this person was very spot on and, and not an annoying way of producing that kind of wry questioning tone of conversational tone of like sharing a story like it it really was almost eerie like how much I felt like it was the next generation of Carrie Bradshaw musing about life sex and relationships um this one is kind of a fictionalized autobiographical story so sex in the city the original one was you know although based in on real people was definitely fiction this um Candace Bushnell obviously probably changed some details and changed people's names but was really truly based on her and her friends who are now in their 50s 20 some odd years later um all of them for various reasons no longer have a partner in their lives and so it's about navigating um sex and relationships and family when you're in your 50s and what does that look like and um as someone who's looking down the telescope telescope not too far away from that maybe that was why I found it compelling cuz even though I hope that's not where I'm at, but I just, 
I think just even the friendships and like watching how these friendships evolve. And it was literally at moments like laugh out loud funny. Like I was like, you know, biking to work and be like, <laughs> and then there were some heartbreaking moments too of just the challenges and the loneliness mm-hmm. and the, you know, trying to start over building something with someone when you're in your fifties, it sounds tiring, yeah. but super funny too. Like, you know, she talks about learning what Tinder is and going on Tinder dates oh and like God. interviewing 30 something millennials about dating and like, you know, and you know, one of the things I always loved about sex in the city is how it was always really spot on with like slang and language. So like I learned all this thing about cubbing and like the, what the newest types of the bicycle boys are and this restorative vaginal treatment called the Mona Lisa. And I mean, it was just so good. And, um, I just, I can't recommend it enough. I, I think she just is so, has such a good, has such a good touch on how much relationships and love has changed with all the technological chains. And and so like that move from 20th century to 21st century love, Mm -hmm. she just gets it. Like she just, even if you aren't actively like out in the dating arena, just, it was so insightful and funny and you know enough peripherally about the trends of things like Tinder and whatnot. And, um, I don't know. It was, it was good. It was pretty darn awesome. I saw somebody Tindering for the first time. and I Is that a word? Tindering? Yeah, I just made it up. I mean, I was going to say, can you verb a t- t- I, I think Yeah, you just... you're tindering. Like you're swiping left or swiping right. But you just swipe right. You don't tender. You just it's swipe. tindering. T- no. Tindering. Come it, on, let's make it work. I think you just say they're swiping right and left. Well, they were tindering. Okay. I'm sure people who have used Tinder are going to probably <laughs> weigh in now and give us feedback on whether or not this exists. I think it's an appropriate word. You're like actively looking on Tinder, swiping left or swiping right. So you're tindering. Mm. Okay. I did have, I did get really amused. This was a few years back, but I I had a friend visiting who is single and had a Tinder account. So then I was totally messing with her algorithms because I was like swiping more. (laughs) And then I got into a conversation with some, I was like, I was like ghost writing for her, but the guy that she'd been talking to, she knew I was doing all this. She wasn't a serious Tinder user, but we were, we were having a lot of fun playing with her account. It's so fascinating. It's like, do you remember hot or not? No. So hot or not, I think I probably still have a profile up there from like 20 fucking years ago, but it's like you put your picture up and people rate you up <gasps> if you're hot or not. Oh, that sounds and horrific. It's, but it's just like Tinder. Like you look at something and you're like, nope, don't like you. Swipe whatever But way. they don't know. But you don't know that they are swiping on you. Oh, you don't. No. Oh. No, 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 no. It's a level of seek. Like, come on, own it. If you're not going to like the way oh, somebody God, looks. hot or not sounds horrific. Like talk I mean, about a morale killer. Oh my god, it's, it's making me uncomfortable just thinking about it. I kind of want to Google my name and see if it's still there. I've never even heard of that. Hot or not. Hmm. Yeah, it was like the thing to do when I was like 18. So yeah. I did it. Yeah, I... was I... like 89% hot. Oh, of course you were. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to say I'm kind of thankful that... I mean, being in a committed relationship comes with its own list of challenges. So let's just be clear on that, folks. If you're not in one yeah. yourself... It's not all roses and and puppies and kittens. No, I mean, there's, I mean, it can, it's really enjoyable having a companion and not having to be out there in the dating pool, but it's not perfect. But I am thankful when I'm just like, I just don't even, uh, online dating. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I think if, 
if Robert was hit by the proverbial truck tomorrow, I think I would be okay just like living out my life monastically on and just chilling with my friends. Yeah. I don't know that I would actively be looking for a new Robert in my life. I'd yeah. be like, okay, that was one. That, that was, was a, a good run. That was a beautiful chapter in my life. I'm glad I had that experience. Although, and I'm know, done. When Nan died, like mm-hmm. Roger is now dating somebody named Nancy. Oh, weird. And it is so fucking weird. Okay. And I'm like so excited for him that he's yeah. so I'm also like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I guess that confusing. would be the thing. Like, if something organically happened, if I suddenly became single, right? I, I, you know, I certainly wouldn't be like, nope, not no more love for me, right? But I just can't at this point in my life envisioning be actively, dating. actively dating. I just do not have the energy for that. Yeah, I, don't I think I'd be totally content with my friends and my animals and be that person. Yeah. So. Hopefully I don't ever have to contemplate that. But I know. I told that, Chris that we're going to die on the same day in bed holding hands just like the notebook. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that seems like a great place to end. <laughs> All right. Oh, right. So, yes, there you go. Looking for something about families and friendships and relationships through time. We got you covered on this episode. We Pretty dark. That and some good Southern literature, which... Yeah. I'm a fan of. I almost went Southern, which is ironic. I I have like a little stack that I want to talk about. Mm. So maybe next time. Next time. All All right. right. Until then. Adios. Amigos. Muchachas. Muchachas. Bye. Hey, book friends. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 